Hi guys, I'm André Villas-Boas, listening to Echoes of Glory. And don't forget, whatever happens, the future is bright, the future is lily white. Come on, your Spurs. Hello and welcome to Echoes of Glory, Season 12, Episode 7, I think. I'm ASD. I'm Chris. And I'm Jack. And we've had a bit of a relaxing weekend. I haven't been nervous. I haven't been disappointed because we haven't had any football to talk about. Um, but we have got Marseille. We've got, obviously, the big news in Tuchel. Uh, we've got some other bits and bobs and stuff that's happened on social media. So it's going to be quite a good episode. So first of all, Olympic Marseille. Big game. Good result, ultimately. Is, is that what we'll remember from it? Because it was a very forgettable game. I think what you remember from it is... Richie's two goals not only those first Spurs goals those first goals in his debut in the Champions League and just you know I I was there it was my birthday that was my birthday treat to myself was going to that game and uh seeing the scenes afterwards for him and his old man you know like and it actually made me cry it was just like because you can I mean I don't know where he's from I don't know anything about him actually I'm you know, I'm sure there's plenty of articles out there about him, which I want to read because, you know, like many other Spurs fan, I have fallen in love with him. You know, like you can imagine what it's taken to get him to this place. And look, playing in the Premier League is great, you know, and he play, was, did well at Watford, did well at Everton. But I suppose there is something else about playing in the Champions League, let alone scoring a brace on your debut at home. Um, you know, I think it was it was brilliant. And I, I think that's what this game is going to be remembered for. It's like, again, it was like the first half was a bit turgid, mm. you know, to. And there are a few boos in the South Stand at halftime as well, which I genuinely don't understand people. I don't know how that happens. It's like, OK, it's nil nil at halftime. It's like, what do you what do you yeah. expect? Yeah. Uh, you know, um, but I mean, we did we did the job. And uh, funny enough, I, I, we got a cab up because we were running late because we went out to dinner first and a uh, cab driver was a Spurs fan. And, you know, he was all like, well, you know, doesn't matter. It's only the opening game. You don't have to win this one. And I was like, no, but this is the, the team, the fourth, the team from the fourth pot, right? So at home, this is the game we have to win. Yes. And he was like, oh, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Don't have to win the first game. It's a long, you know. So it was interesting to hear just from him thinking actually it's going to be difficult we're not going to manage it etc etc and that you know reconciling ourselves to something else but you know we did what we needed to but I think the only thing is is that it's not very uh there are moments where the football looks good but you know like this isn't I think we have to sort of resign ourselves to what Conte ball is and 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 that's okay you know like if, if it means we're going to carry on grinding out results I'm all right with that for now but um, but yeah, I think we need to just kind of get our heads around it, really. I think that's a really good point. It's just it's very pragmatic, isn't yeah. it? That that that's his style, and it's like we said this when we had Mourinho. We, we don't mind that style when you're winning. Like it's fine. Yeah. Like and actually, that it is quite entertaining to watch from the point of view that. We don't dominate the ball, but when we get it, we look to score. We look to get the ball wide, get it in the box, or create something. So from that point of view, you know, it is quite entertaining football to watch. I I, I agree with what you said there, Chris, in terms of like it, I thought it was a must-win game for us in the group. Just being, if you can start off with your home fixture and getting three points on the board, like if we go to Lisbon next week and win, we're we're near enough through from that. If you can win your first two, you put yourselves in such a good opportunity. Um. Champions League away games are hard as well. And I do think people underestimate that, that going away in Europe and winning, which will be what we'll have to do against Lisbon, um, is tough. So it's really important to win your home games. We did it. We think back to when we first got in the Champions League under Redknapp. Um, we were pretty poor away from home in Europe, but we always won at home, which meant you get out the group. You'll probably get through one or two knockout games if you can make your home ground a fortress. So it was um, it was definitely a must win game for me. I wasn't surprised that it was a difficult game, though. Like, you've only got to look at how Marseille have been doing in the in the French league. They've started the season really well. So I think they had three clean sheets in a row coming into this one. So defensively, they're quite resilient and quite difficult to score against. And it did take a brilliant, brilliant header from Richarlison to break the deadlock. And I like, I, it was it was like. Les Ferdinand back in the day. It was a proper number nine. I'm going to get up. Bang. Yeah, he hung in the air, didn't he? He again, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. It was a problem. I haven't seen like a, a, a number nine scoring a header like that 
you know, what felt like for ages. I mean, I'm sure I'm doing Kane a massive discredit and he's got bundles of those types of goals, but it just felt like an old fashioned type goal. Stick the ball in the box. Bang. Um, so cracking to get the win. Um, it's going to be a difficult game when we go to Marseille to play, just because you can already tell what type of atmosphere that we're going to have to play in when we go there, which is going to be a massive challenge for the players. But to um, to get started with a, with a 2 0 home win, perfect. Yeah, I mean, what are they come in to do? They come into the greatest stadium in the world with the team who are the best in the group. Um, they Sanchez was out, I think, because he had the red cards. We've got you know one of the most devastating attack forces in in the world and they're naturally just going to want to frustrate which is what they did and then you know them going down to 10 was going to was always going to be a massive issue but we handled that really well because we just kept on playing our game because that that could have become even more difficult for us and you think if you go back to like the AVB years going down to 10 was the worst thing that could have happened to us because it just nothing would have worked so Conte's development was good there um I, I quite enjoyed hearing the booze for Gwendouzi's. I like they said on the radio, oh, the um, football fans never forget, no matter how long. And I, I don't think yeah. it's been that long. You know? um, yeah. But I was so happy for Richarlison. Just Richarlison, just just to give you a bit of where he's come from, play, a tiny place in in um, in Brazil, failed a load of trials, and then had a trial set up for America Mineiro. This is according to Wikipedia, and he spent all of his money on a 600 kilometer one way ticket to Belo Horizonte for his for his trial which is amazing but, and then you go for that was in 2015 which doesn't feel that long ago um he started playing for America Mineiro and then the next year he moved to Fluminense next year he moved to Watford next year he then moved to Everton in only 2018 and now he's here so it, it's all happened really quickly and the interesting thing for Watford he played every game in the Premier League and he scored five goals and then Everton bought him for 30 mil going up to 50 which for five goals i'm not did sure that, did that did that happen because it was marco silver did yeah, yeah, marco yeah. silver at watford have him and then he went to so it was him wasn't it he really took him with him ah uh, that reuniting him with former watford manager yeah that's yeah. a very yeah, very but, good but point i remember watching him at watford and thinking i i really like him i liked how much he put himself about i liked how involved he was in the game and I was surprised that we weren't any, we weren't even considering him at the time because I thought actually that's a decent centre forward at a time where we needed somebody that was gonna back up Kane again, you know that that old story. So you know I'm de- I was delighted to see him and look let, let's get it right as well like that that ball from Perisic was pretty nice as well. He's really good, isn't he? He's yeah. really good. Delivery, is <laughs> just unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah. And his left and right foot as well. It's really hard to defend. Then it, tell you what it feels like when you saw him at Watford. You know, sometimes you just see a play and you go, he, that player is just too good for that team. And they, a bit like when Bale was with us, like he's just another level. And it reminds me of Tevez and Mascherano when they were at West Ham. Do you remember that? And you just saw them and go, even though we don't know much about them, they are way better than West Ham. Yeah. With all due respect to West Ham in this situation, they're just they're just better than that situation. But it's good to see him. Um French fans are interested, aren't they? Like I've I've been, re- I mean, well, that, that, those French fans, and they're sort of renowned around France by all accounts. And you know, it, funnily enough, the only the only game I could probably get to the away game in those in this Champions League, and I like to go if I can, is Marseille. Um, but I don't think I'm going to go. I uh, yeah, like is it? it doesn't really feel like a sensible thing to do. Well, Frankfurt, I've just seen that they've been advised you cannot, don't wear club merchandise in the town and you cannot get into the ground as an individual. You have to go in as a group escorted by uh, police, which isn't a great situation at no. all. No. And look, I think what, what's also been really interesting is obviously you probably saw that the um, the big Progress Pride flag got torn down. Mm. And look, I can't. I don't know. I'm not in the minds of those people. Would they have torn anything down that had a Spurs logo on it? Maybe. But I do think, you know, I think as proudly what sort of Twitter said, it's like, you know, it's a symbolic act tearing down a pride flag, whether, you know, whichever way you cut it. And I think what's interesting is we had loads of sort of stuff from across France and people defending them and all the rest of it and lots of people saying you know they're like the ultras are anti-fascist 
and and then there's other people going yeah anti-fascist but homophobic and then they're like yeah but it's not about that but but then of course you know saw another video today of um people see kylie yeah yeah i saw that doing nazi salutes so i don't know how you square that so i think it was unpleasant it sort of smacked of like being a sore loser um look and i know this is supposed to be what football you know like that's what football fans are like and you know, and all the rest of it. But like, I'm not down with that, frankly. And I think that you can support your team and have an edgy atmosphere and all the rest of it without being a dick and without being like violent, fascist, Completely. you know, etc. So, you know, there you go. I like, I I think they're, un- I, I would, I'm interested to see what UEFA do because I think it's kind of, it is unacceptable what they what they did what they did to the flag what they did more generally the fact that there was like so much there was fighting and you know and trying to say that Spurs fans threw things at them first I mean I don't know the CCTV will tell us that doesn't mean you have to be a dick yes yes it's I just don't understand these people it's like you're going to a game of football but I just, I just I won't, it will never it will never make sense to me are we are we expecting UEFA to do anything though do you know what I mean? Like, it wouldn't surprise me if there's just no noise whatsoever from them and we hear nothing because they're not they're not exactly known for acting with decisiveness or speed or anything like that, are they? No, but I think there was enough. There's enough footage and enough, you know, evidence to sort of you can't just let that go, because if you do let that go, then you're basically opening the door for more mayhem and it's not good for the product. Sets a precedent, doesn't it? Yeah, because the product, that's their yeah. main product, right, is the Champions League and and having yeah. it full of hoolies doing shit like that, it doesn't help what you're trying to sell out there in the world, so... Well, let's hope let's hope they take the, the right action. Yeah. Well, UEFA, uh, it's been announced, have are fining Swedish club Djurgården IF because their supporters had a banner having a go at Apoel Nicosia and UEFA for letting a player who was convicted of raping a child in Sweden in 2018 play in the Europa Conference League. They're happy to find people for protesting that. So hopefully they can find it in their hearts. Why did Sweden have a banner about an Apoel Nicosia player? Uh, so there's a player called Kingsley Sarfo who's convicted of raping a child in Sweden oh. in 2018, which isn't very nice, obviously. Um, and so they having a go and saying that shouldn't have been allowed and so they uh, UEFA find the club for having their fans put that out so it's a very it's just a dark thing isn't it so UEFA they have to have some balance here so we'll see but on a more positive note Richardson it's so lovely to see and I, I just I love him now I haven't loved a player like this for a long time like obviously I love Sonny but I, and I love Kane and I love Romero, but there's just something very pure about Richarlison and how much he just loves playing football and how much you can see that this actually is his dream and he's just doing it. And it that I think you can connect with that as a supporter because you can see that's what we all want as well. And he's on our side. And it's so it's just lovely to see. You just yeah, I think I'm going to... Sorry, Chris, go on. I was going to say, I, just, I think for me... He's going to replace a hole that Delhi's left. Mm. In terms of having my love in that sense. Yeah. Go on, Jack. Sorry. That's a big statement. As a fan, all all you can ask for from your team is to give their all and to fight for the shirt and come off the pitch and be like they couldn't have done any more. And like every time you watch him play, he gives 100%. Like this, he, he can genuinely, after every game he's played for us so far, come off, look at himself in the mirror and say, I couldn't have done any more. There might be technical faults or do you know what I mean? He could have done more with the ball, whatever. But as a fan, you're like, you just want to see someone give everything. There's nothing more frustrating when you're questioning somebody's effort. So I think that's just why we've all taken to him straight away. Yeah. yeah what we're saying about Brazil and the World Cup, who they've got in attack, their attacking options. They've got Jesus, Martinelli, Neymar, Vinicius Jr., Richarlison, Rafinha, Anthony, Firmino, Rodrigo, Paqueta, Kuna. Decent. That whole but... squad they, they've got, or do you know what I mean? Even if you look at their defenders, their midfielders, they've got a really, really good squad, Brazil. Yeah. Is he going to make the Brazil squad? You'd hope so, wouldn't you? You'd hope so. I don't know. He started actually. quite a lot of their recent games. Richarlison, he, he starts, he starts ahead of, of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he starts ahead of Jesus. And Jesus is playing for a second-tier team in the Premier League, let's not forget. 
Jesus is not is not actually in Nevis Martin. They're not in the latest squad, either of them. There you go. Sorry. Uh, Kudzewski makes a difference when he comes on as well. Tell you what, he feels like he doesn't. He's not as he doesn't do as much as Richarlison, but he does things that are high value whenever he does do stuff. You know, he's very precise yeah. and does make a big contribution, which is really good to see. Um, it's good to see Tanganga get on as well. What do you think about in that in Richarlison though, in that sense? Because does he do enough as an impact player? Richarlison. Yeah. No, yeah. sorry. Kulusevski. Because I think Richarlison's come on and do, like done really well as an impact player, but also did brilliantly in starting. And I, I kind of feel like Kulusevski is a, is better starting than being an impact player. Yeah, we're just edging towards both of them starting over Sun, though, in this conversation, aren't we? Which is something yeah. I, I can't even imagine talking about that no, at the end no, of last it's bad, season. isn't it? Yeah. I just I, think with it, you've got you've got obviously you've got three positions and you've got four of them. We have so many games that I think all of them, apart from Kane, over the next six weeks are going to have games where they're on the bench, but they'll come on come on after an hour. And like their average minutes, Sun, Kulusevski, and Richarlison, their average minutes across the next ten games will probably be fairly similar. But it will probably be Sun, Sun and Kane always starting, and then those two, you know, alternating who starts in that position, but you'd expect to see Sun come off in quite a lot of games. And and if we're two, three goals up, you'd expect to see Kane come off as well, especially in, in Premier League games that we've got. So I'm not too worried. I feel like there's a big narrative at the minute of like, you have to pick out of Sun, Richarlison and Kulusevski what two are starting. And it's like, you have to make that decision. It's like, I actually think like everyone needs to relax a little bit on it. And it's like, we'll just rotate them all around a little bit. Like some will be fine. He just needs that goal. Like, you can see how desperate he is to score and he will get the scruffiest goal in the world. Wouldn't it? That will be the one. It will hit him on the shin and go in or it will hit him on the backside and go in at the back post. It will be a, a really ridiculous goal and then he'll be back. Um, he just needs it. And it's like, but there are a lot of people that are, you know, really sort of saying, oh, his son finished. And I just, you read some of this stuff on Twitter and you think, what world are these people in? Like, he hasn't scored for six games. Like, it's all right. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? He's... His goal scoring record over the last couple of seasons has been phenomenal. So it's like he's definitely earned himself a slight rough patch of half a dozen games. Like, let's just all. Yeah, he's doing the right thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, a little bit about it. But I just think that the, we've, we've got those. Four, do you know what I mean? And you do have Lucas Moore. I know we're going to talk about Lucas Moore for his off the field madness um, shortly. But you've got five players, three positions and loads of games. So you're going to you're going to rotate around a little bit. I can't wait to see the three of them without Kane. Imagine how mad that's going to be. Imagine where do you stand as a defender when you've got Son, Richarlison and Kulisevsky coming at you? Well, you have the option as well, don't you, of like all four of them can play. It would mean it, it means he has to move away from a back three, which in games he has done this season. So it's like, there's no reason why at points you can't have a 4-4-2 or 4-2-3-1 or whatever and have all four of them out there. You can play Kulisevsky at wing back, though, which he showed us the other day. Yeah. He just went for it, didn't he? There's a lot, he just, there's, yeah. a lot, there's a lot of flexibility. Do you know what I mean? There's a lot of it. Yeah, no worries at all. Uh, you mentioned Mora. Let me read you what he's been talking about. So we've all, Chris, you've highlighted this before. In in a very recent interview, he said, uh, and this is a direct quote from, this is a direct quote, but it's translated into English. He's in Brazil, it's in Brazilian. I don't have any problem to give my opinion about that. I'm a right-wing conservative. I follow Christian and family principles. Red flag, red flag, red flag. I don't see any perfect presidential candidate, but I can't deny that Bolsonaro is the guy who comes closest to what I believe. Lula, who is the left-wing candidate, supports everything that I'm against. Left-wing ideology, socialism, and even communism, which is nothing different from Nazism supporting Lula is in, almost impossible and that for me was a bit like a right okay like communism is nothing different from Nazism is it is not something I just I'm not interested in I'm not interested in but also why doesn't he just shut up well they but Alison has been caught saying something similar around there and that is unsubstantiated I haven't got the uh the link is there is there and I'm I've I'm pretty certain the answer is no. Is there any chance that any of that's been lost in translation at all? I know, obviously, a lot of the right wing stuff that he's tweeted about and liked in the past makes you think no. But is there any chance of that with this? Well, the no, bit, think... His point on communism is that millions of people have died and 
and so that's why it's and there is a narrative that's that that says that yeah yeah and i did a lot of reads so when i was moving to china you know china is meant to be under communist rule and it's not <laughs> it's, it's very clearly controlled by the communist party which is under one person and so it's very difficult to differentiate and also i think i don't think the stalinist re- regime was necessarily communist even though it was called that in the same that's way that's what i'm saying and so he i think what he's trying to say with, with a real lack of eloquence is something around there but forgetting all that his extreme right-wing views and the person who he's supporting is not okay yeah. it's just not okay but you compare that to lucas no not lucas richarlison who is very is the antithesis of that politically and what he does in his actions about helping people uh and suddenly i'm i'm a bit i'm done with lucas i, I you can't i can't decouple that that level of politics away from football I mean, I've been, as you know, I've been done with him for a long time. And I think even with that, it's like even when you're making the arguments about some people think that about communism, you know, like I saw someone on so on Twitter saying, you know, national socialism, that Nazi was the Nazi party was literally a national socialist party, you know, like because I'm just like, you know, what are you saying? What are you saying in terms of kind of. I don't know, taking of the. I, I just think anyone that that oh sorry I, I get I just get so I get so cross I get so cross because it's like this has been coming right you know all you have to do is look at his likes and look at some of the stuff that he does and you know the very fact is is that he does some, you know Bolsonaro has killed loads of people right I think there's no and this is these are my personal views not the views of anybody in uh and the in the proud Lily whites and all the rest of it but like you know I just I just just minimizing minimizing the Holocaust I just think is unacceptable and I think anything as soon as you do that and compare anything to Nazism you're minimizing the Holocaust and that's not on and I don't know why he's talking about it it's like stick to football mate um, it's madness it's like where, where's like does he not have an agent or an advice like do you know what I mean you thought so, you'd thought by now someone would have grabbed hold of him and just been like what are you doing it's incredible. I think they I'm sure they have. Because they're 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 you know, at Spurs, they're quite sort of risk averse, I think, in these situations. Mm. They don't want the player out there kind of giving these kinds of interviews. It doesn't really fit, does it? Well, how many of our players do do stuff like this? They don't, but I think he's so it feels to me like because of his faith, and look, I'm not I'm an atheist, right? But like I never would never kind of deny anyone's um you know, like, uh, I, I can't, I've really lost my words tonight. But, you know, like, I think people's faiths are important to them. And that's like down, that's up to them. And I think, you know, like, more power to them. But I think he's got such a strong faith that and and he believes it all comes from God that he can say what he wants. And I think, look, you can't, you know, like, but then you can't limit other people's freedoms in the same breath. I think that's the point. Yeah. Um, and and I just think you know, and look, he hasn't been in the team for a while, so hopefully he'll just like stay out of the squad, stay out of our lives, and I don't have to worry about him. Yeah, and it's we've got Richardson. Is his contract up at the end of the season as well? Next season, end of next season, but it means he can make pre-contract agreements at the end of this season, right? Which is the way with Kane, Bayern Munich have been talking, so it's exactly the same situation. So that. There is a point where if footballers are going to use their platform for positivity, then if if that's allowed, then there will be players who use it for negativity um, because they will believe that they are right. So I defend his right to say something, but he is just an idiot. And, and oh, yeah, I mean, I'm not. I'm not by this, I, course, I, mean, I know you're not. I, I appreciate I did say he shouldn't speak, but, you know, like, but I also sort of see what you're saying, but. I just, I, oh, sorry, ASD, go on. No, no, don't apologise. I'm just saying we, what we've got is balance uh, with Richardson, who is very public in calling for justice for the fires of Pantanal, for atrocities to individuals about murders and rapes that are happening, to the electricity uh, that isn't in the Ampa, Amapa region, things like that. There's a really good article on gold.com from 2011 about how his heart is so pure, about how, uh, from sorry, from the 11th of 2020 about how he stands up for 
the most vulnerable people in Brazil. So we've got a really lovely, we've just got a good egg there. And that's what we have to focus on. And he, he is what we would want Mora to be. So it's, th there shouldn't be a time when Mora is playing over Richardson unless we're playing Marine away. Uh, so that's that done. Uh, <laughs> Endombele. I just, I've got a quote on Endombele from Paolo Di Canio. Um, who has said, I'll just say one thing. If Spalletti works a miracle with him, I'll take my hat off. I'll take off my hat and congratulate him. Out of habit, this guy doesn't want to sacrifice with himself without the ball. He's not a playmaker. At most, he can play Mazzala, which is the wide player in a three-diamond diamond midfielder who becomes a playmaker. I don't expect Luciano to make him walk on water, but if he did at least make him swim, it would be a resounding success. So that, he, that's not going to he turn into... He got pulled into, at half-time, didn't he, again? He did get pulled at half-time. I saw that. It's been a great weekend it's for Spurs players as well. Lamella, I'm not sure if you've seen what Lamella did. It's the most Eric Lamella performance, wasn't it? Like goal in the second minute, red card on like the 76th minute for a very, very high tackle, which was great as well. I also love that with Lamella's red card, he didn't, he like lunged in and was, he was halfway down the tunnel when he, by the time that the ref was even taking the card out, which is just... <laughs> they just knew he was gone straight away. Um, the Undembele, the Undembele thing is just. Um, I don't really know how he reignites his career. To be totally honest with you, because it already seems like, do you know, what I mean, this season's going to be really difficult for him at Napoli. Um, you know, you, if you're getting pulled at half time and you know players and ex players and pundits and that are making comments like that about you, very difficult to turn it around, isn't it? And he's still a young man. That's the thing we forget. He's not old Undembele at all. Um, so he's just, I don't really know where he's going to end up. Like, has he got next season still with us? Is that it's this season, and next season, and then, and then he's come. We've had him for quite a while, though, haven't we? Because it was, we bought him in 2019, didn't we? Bought him in the summer of 2019 after the Champions League final. So it's like he's been here three years already, which just seems mad, doesn't it? It seems absolutely mad. Like, what have we got back from him in that time? He, um, he is going to end up in like, I don't know. Turkey. I don't know how anybody will get a tune out of him. No, he's just going to end up in Turkey or like lower down the league in France, retire at the age of 32 or something. It, I, it was a mistake. But there is a player in there. There is. Well, there's there's skills. There's a YouTube compilation. Is in there, though? Is there? Yeah. Maybe it is. Maybe that's there are skills. You up? Huge apologies to anyone listening to this. Jack's Wi-Fi is obviously all over the place, which is why he sounds slowed down, speeded up, bits of his words. I mean, what he's saying is gold. Don't get me wrong, but we can't hear it very well. He's Go on, Jack. Well, he's gone now. He's gone now. Uh, obviously, there's some big news. Uh, recently, we've had, um, you know, we've had, it's been a, a sad time for a lot of people in London. Tuchel's gone. Uh, and we should play really quickly with uh, Graham Potter. That how did you feel when Pochettino was connected to him? Oh, awful! How bad? I was like, I was like, Poch, don't do it because I love you and I want to be able to keep loving you. And I had this conversation with my sister, and she was like, that doesn't matter. You can still love him. I was like, no, I actually can't. But I'm a bit worried about Potter going there because we know what a great coach he is. And actually, with players, he might actually he might be able to do something. Then again, you talk to any um, talk to any Chelsea fans or the few that I've spoken to, and they weren't happy with it. They thought it was a bit too trigger happy. You know, he's won the loads of cups. He's, they like him a lot. They thought it was a bit too soon. Mm. Jack, are you with us? I am indeed. Um, I thought the two call sacking it didn't surprise me. Because it's Chelsea and Chelsea just they do not mess about whatsoever when it comes to that. And some people say they, you know, they, they jump the gun early. I'd argue that they just show a real ruthless big club mentality. Like they're not where they want to be. They're going to make a change. Um, I'm, I'm, I am surprised though because I do think that Tuchel tactically is so good. I, I just think like with the games we've played against Chelsea since he's been in charge, well, I've gone into that thinking we've got as good a players as them. They might edge a few positions, but we're, it's fairly even. But we always seem to really get unstuck against them. And that's because he always chucks out a, a bit of a tactical masterclass um, against us. So I'm surprised they got rid of him just because he's he's done well for them. But the Potter appointment's really interesting. 
It's a bit of a shame. It's a bit of a shame because I sort of thought that Potter was the next Spurs manager. Like he does have Spurs kind of vibes, doesn't he, about him? It was like working within limited parameters, like a coach first, like going to give young players a chance. So I'm sad to see him go to Chelsea. Will it be sort of a, a big shift for Chelsea? They're going to try and do stuff a bit differently now. Time will tell. Um, it's an amazing move for him. It's a great thing for young English, British coaches, actually, that a big club has now taken that plunge. Because that's been a question mark for so long, isn't it? Like, when will actually one of the top sides appoint somebody that's not been there and done it over the last decade? But isn't that just about Graham Potter rather than about it being some kind of statement on on Engl- on British managers? Because I think Graham Potter's always the one that people have talked about. And, you know, Chelsea appointed Frank Lampard as well, didn't they? Yeah, gave, I just would, gave him would the they have appointed would they have appointed Frank Lampard if he wasn't Frank Lampard? Do you know what I mean? And he also must be so frustrated as well because it's like if it was Lampard getting that job now, do you know what I mean? He might all of a sudden have a little bit more time than what he had before. So, look, I I, I do really like Graham Potter. I think I was a, I was a little bit unconvinced because we spoke about him was it just over a year or so ago when we mm. when we got Conte and he was one, wasn't he, that we were linked with? And I was a little bit like, mm, I'm not entirely sure. But actually, from having seen the job that he's done at Brighton and even before that at Swansea and Osterens, like, he has done a great job with, you know, with the resources that he's had, which is why it's felt a bit weird seeing him go in at Chelsea. Like, how is he, how's he going to deal with, do you know what I mean, a £200 million war chest? How's he going to deal with big players like, that's the unknown for him, isn't it? Having the resources is exactly right. Because, you know, he just loses his players every time. He lost Kukurea, he lost Basuma. And look how well Brighton have started. Yeah. So there's something about that siege mentality that maybe he's got, that that's what he's got. But, you know, like I guess, look, I guess we'll see. Hopefully, obviously, hopefully, I, you know, I hope they fail miserably. But it is interesting, though, because it's a new regime now, but they're still acting yeah. like Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. It will also I mean, be interesting to see with the with the transfers there that has, will he have pressure now that instead of going to more relatively unknown leagues and buying players because he's bought um, Caicedo, isn't he, the midfielder at Brighton? He looks like a fantastic player. Like he looks so good, and it's like going in at Chelsea now. Like will he be able to go for a player like that? Do you know what I mean? And sign someone relatively unknown, or actually, is there the Galactico mentality that actually I've got to go and buy a really established player? So it'd be interesting to see how he navigates his way around that as well. He can probably do both. And they are owned by an investment company now, right? Who are there to make money? And so buying a a, a player who isn't as well known and is cheaper, and having strong performance—that's what they're all about, you know. Having someone that can develop them. You're absolutely right, Aster. Yeah. So, and so I I think that will be more what he's been he will have to do you've got to feel for Obama Yang <laughs> who went to work for Tim Cool and then left a couple of days later that's really funny and Kukurela as well like who didn't have to force a move from Brighton but probably had to do a few things and it's like that's a bit awkward imagine the first day of training there <laughs> um, his win percentage of Brighton Hove album is 31% and he's gone down 10% from Swansea and down 10% from Osterson like 31% you you have to at least Two and a half times that now at Chelsea. You cannot be winning just 31% of your games. I know that's they've been doing worse than that now. And it, we always say this, it's a different game. It's a different mentality. Winning 75% of your games, 80% of your games is very, very different from how you win th- from winning 31% of your games. And him, it's a massive mind shift for him. Now, obviously, he, they will have a plan and he will have had to interview for it and talk about that. But it being the best constantly is is very different from winning one game in three and I think that's a massive shift for him it's a huge shift and there's for him, no which patience is... either is no. there now like no. at Brighton if he loses three or four on the spin he's got the benefit of the doubt there and it's like mm. always oh, still Brighton and you know what you've done if he loses his first three or four games at Chelsea immediately he's under enormous pressure and it's like it, it'd just be interesting to see how it plays out like uh, I'm with Chris. I hope it doesn't work, but I also really like Graham Potter, so I would there'd be part of me that would feel bad for him if it doesn't. But you know, you don't want him to do well at Chelsea at all. Well, we talked about it. it's funny that he's gone down the league as well with Brighton in fourth and Chelsea in wherever they are, 
Where are they? Sixth. It is funny that he's gone down the league. Um, to check. But there's not many hateable players at Chelsea anymore. And obviously, Abramovich has gone. It's not, same with Arsenal, there's not many hateable players there. So it, it, it is a bit of a stain on him. But I mean, how many ex Chelsea players and managers have we had recently? So it, maybe this is the interview for. for well, Spurs. And, and as well, two calls of free agent now. So when Conte walks at the end of the season, <laughs> we can just get two call for nothing, can't we? So. <laughs> At least that's at least that's sorted. I'm not interested. I, oh I'm god, not... Jack! I think what we're going to revisit this. I think <laughs> crazier things of... have happened. That's all I'm saying. God. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm not quite at the place where I'd rather have Sherwood back, but it, that was the first thought that went through my mind. Uh, I've got two quiz. Anything else? I mean, it's a shame we didn't play City. I'd be interested. I'm quite glad we didn't have to play Harland, but. Just on the City um, postponement, I, I was just going to say, like, I think it actually might do us a favour because I don't know when they're going to fit that game in. That's going to be what? January or potentially even later than that if they can't squeeze something in there. That might work in our favour. Like, if, if the game gets shifted to later in the season, City is still going to be in all the competitions. And like, mm. without sounding too pessimistic, we're not going to be in the, the number of competitions that we're in now. At the, at, if, if the game's in March, right? let's say they, don't, they can't fit it in, in January and it goes back further than that. So it could end up being a good thing for us. Yeah. Well, yeah, the other one is, the problem is the lack of police in London. They're going to be lining the streets. Um, well, our next game after that would be the Arsenal on the 1st of October. And they, they might not be enough. They're saying they might not be police for that either. So yeah. we, right. might... we don't, we don't know about this. October? Or do you mean the next one? Isn't the next one Arsenal after... After, um, after Leicester, yeah. Oh, it's Leicester. Sorry, then ignore we that. We don't we don't know about Leicester yet, do we? We don't know if that's going we ahead, if that's going thing, to be delayed. One thing they've been talking about is playing all the London games outside London. Right. So, so our just, home game right. will be held somewhere else. Not sure I love that. No, I don't like that either very much, to be fair. And as I said earlier, I was really sad to see the Spurs women's game not happening this weekend because you know opening day of the season playing Manchester United live on Sky Sports you've got four you've got four Lionesses playing so you know there's a kind of really good pull to the game you know we've we haven't got a great record against Manchester United we've got loads of new players it would have been really exciting and I think we'd sold a decent amount of tickets just from seeing what you know what tickets were available and actually what's what's it going to look like now because when's the stadium going to be available how are you going to fit it in you know this all worked out really well you know and that's I think they you know like they look at that a little bit when they're doing the fixtures so I don't know I hope we can I hope we can find a way to to put and you know like another couple of fixtures at the at the stadium but I you know I feel for the players who thought they were going to make their Tottenham debut at yeah. the Spurs stadium and now they're not they're Big going to crowds. be late, they're going to be yeah. a late in Orient next Sunday instead uh, and like Oh no, Sunday after they were away next Sunday. And why not just have a minute silence? Like make it visible on the world stage. Minute silence. There will be some booing at some Welsh clubs, some Scouse clubs and all that sort of stuff. But just just deal with it, you know? And just crack on. It's not like there's a World Cup that's happening in the middle of the summer and we need to take a big break already, so we don't need any more pause games. Just crack on. I just I thought, thought it was... Wasn't... Go on, Jack, sorry. I was just gonna say I Without getting too much into it, I just thought it was madness that there's been no football. Like I just, I just did not understand it. I think exactly what you said there, ASD. Like a silence. You could have played the national anthem, black armbands. There could have been like the same video played at all the Premier League grounds before kickoff. Do you know what I mean? As a a, a tribute, like to to just shut everything down. And it was the fact that it went all the way down to grassroots that's what I really didn't get like I coach at weekends and it's like we weren't allowed to we weren't allowed to put on a soccer school for kids and it's like it just seemed really really strange that like that was banned when like the cricket's gone ahead the rugby's gone ahead not all rugby not all rugby so I think interesting about that is is firstly um why haven't like this has been coming so why anyone had a conversation about this before yeah. and what the government doing not giving actual guidance why leave it up to the leagues themselves because do you know what if you're football you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't there was a brilliant piece that um i think it was oliver k did 
that showed that in 1952, when the king died, football went ahead with exactly as you've just described, Jack. You know, making its own tributes all the rest of it. It got absolutely slaughtered. And so this time they flipped it around and still getting slaughtered by by fans. Some fans saying it's a good idea, all the rest of it. I think they were trying to read the mood music. And I think, you know, you're also slightly concerned about what's, you know, what's the sort of Daily Mail and the and the Times sniff test. And let, and we know that you know, they're going to have much more of a go at football than they are at rugby and cricket. And you know what? What's going to suffer football and boxing? And I'm not going to make any comments about class. But I'll just leave that there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and 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 so I, I think that's the problem. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. I get the resource point. And actually, I think if it was about resources, they should have they should have actually talked about it in that sense. Um. But, you know, I was um, I saw a friend of mine has um, been reporting on it because weirdly she wrote a biography about um, Prince Charles and so has been on ITV News um, all week. And funnily enough, she she was supposed to be coming with us to the Spurs um, Man U game. And I sent all the tickets round on, was it Thursday? Did it happen on Thursday? Yeah, on Thursday morning at about 11. And she said, um, there's a chance I won't be able to come. I'll let you know. And I was like, oh, you know, because I knew, I, you know, I figured that she was on sort of standby. But I mean, she was saying today that there were so many people trying to visit Buckingham Palace today that the trains weren't stopping at Green Park and the pavements both sides of Piccadilly were jammed. So what that's going to look like next weekend, just in advance of the funeral, when the Queen's lying in state, I mean, I don't know. So I think I think we wouldn't be surprised to see us not being able to at least go to a home match next weekend. When will they fit that one in as well? Do you know what I mean? If they do, if that gets postponed, that'll just be, I know, it'd be mayhem. You know, carnage for some sides. But you'd have to, you'd have to extend the season, maybe. Yeah. yeah. I don't. Oh, just as an aside, and this is unrelated, but uh, it just popped into my head. I don't know if you've noticed, but there have been n- numerous errors on the Spurs, Spurs website. Yeah. Yeah. You know, on the emails recently and then there was that error on the website today because there's been like you know they got the name wrong in one of the emails and i'm like i don't know what's going on but they need to check their work more mm. then they say the lisbon game was postponed was another yes. point yeah and then it seemed yeah. to take them hours to change it as well which was even stranger it's like surely someone can just Let's go in log, log in look in and sort that yeah but it yeah. took like about five hours for them to change that but yeah. honestly, if you were sending an email to like tens of thousands of people about a game, wouldn't you just check to see that you got the name of the opposition right? Yeah. I mean, it's pretty yeah, you, your, your expectations are far too high, Chris, I think. I mean, clearly. <laughs> I mean, Levy has definitely got like a 17 year, year old like intern doing that just to save money. Uh, I'm watching on a note if we're going into side notes things that pop into it i'm watching the wrexham documentary on um oh yeah what's it like it's pretty good like it, it's a football documentary it's not a, like the amazon ones uh feel very pravda they feel very like propaganda-esque yeah but this one feels a bit more a little bit more balanced it's it's not as like gritty as the sunderland one uh so it's i'm quite enjoying it the thing that's really interesting me is they subtitle the welsh people who are speaking english and people in Wrexham, Wrexham's right next to Liverpool, right? So it's 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 as light. It's a very very light Welsh accent, like a lot of people have in Cardiff. Even Cardiff people have got a stronger Welsh accent, and it sounds a bit more Scouse, but it's not so Scouse you can't understand. It's not like Paddy Pimbler, and like in my head, they are the most natural English sounding speaker. Like I understand them like very very clearly, but for Americans, they have to subtitle them. And I never end up seeing this thing. You know, when you watch like a documentary and they speak to somebody who's speaking a foreign language and they get someone to speak in the like speak over them in English, but in a very, very heavily accented way. Yeah. Why do that? I never understood that. <laughs> Uh, but yeah it's well worth watching the episodes only like 25 minutes long and you really do get the feeling and it's obviously built this way that Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds really actually do care and you do get to see like Wrexham I mean it almost went under in the early 2000s and it it it's been through the ringer uh 
but you can it you can see the passion in the the fans and it's it's really nice to see and it is mad that these two a-listers or one a-lister and one tv money person has just come in and bought a really random football club in the middle of nowhere and it, it does an amazing job of making Wrexham look nice Wrexham's a bit of a hole like I love it, it it's it's normal people but it I've been there it's not the nicest place in the world um it's well worth it's worth your time are they still there as well they didn't just go for that season to make the documentary and then leave no they're here they, they're owners they own they own it they are they are the owners amazing because i um sit in meetings sometimes with the wrexham chief executive and i'm always so de- but like they're sensible meetings so i don't ever but i'm always so desperate to like ask her what it's like is that flair robinson Flair robinson yeah yeah she's meant to be smart yeah, um, I've, I've always found her really good, actually. Um, but I think maybe next time I see her in person, I might just ask. Or maybe is she in the documentary? She they make a point of saying that she is, but she's specifically asked not to be in it much. So I, she's been in it once so far, right. very briefly. Um, OK, because that's also like a good talking point, I guess, is like, oh, I saw you in this thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's well worth it. But we've been watching that Only Murders in the Building on Disney Plus. Oh, how good is that? I love it. Like I, we've done it now. The two series, well worth it. Because you I know, know when we were had... so gutted when we when it finished because I, we've absolutely loved. Because Tab is not keen on American television. No, me neither. She gets really annoyed with me because I like only like American television. Um, but that one, I was like, no, really, no, really. Yeah. And uh, and she absolutely loved it. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Uh, I've got two quizzes if you want. I've just Googled some stuff. So I've got the uh, top 10. Actually, I want to do the top 12 or 13 most expensive transfers, that, so players that we've sold. I'd be oh, interested to see. So we've sold. That we've sold. So number one is obviously Gareth Bale, who we sold to Real Madrid in 2014 for 90 million. Who is the next one? And I can give you clues. So we you have can to ask, do it in order, do we? Uh, I, I'd like to do it in order. Okay. Just because it's easier for me to remember. Um, so the next one, English player, we sold him when he was 27 in 2018. We sold him for oh, 40. Carl Walker. Carl Walker. I didn't realise he was 27. Done. Very good. Yeah. 47 million. Next one, this was the first deadline day that broke my heart. Uh, was this Berbatov? Berbatov, also 27 yeah. to United. I remember staying up watch, and watching that and like watching like grainy pictures of him. The picture of his eyes yeah, just yeah, in Old yeah. Trafford. Yes. That oh, really God. broke my heart. It was heartbreaking. It's all right, though, because we got Fraser Campbell, didn't we, on loan? So no problem. Yeah. Well, didn't we have a special relationship with after the Gareth Bale uh, with Real Madrid after the... Um, do you remember oh, that? Yeah, very spe- special. <laughs> like, the, basically, they came and, like, <laughs> our players all the time and gave us, like, some nonsense. Sure. Um, how much did, whenever it was, like, Thursday as well, feel like a bit of a... Never mind. Never mind. I shut my mouth. Um, uh, number four, we sold him at the age of 26 in 2012, 2013. Oh. 31.5 million. Oh. One of the greatest players to grace our shirt. Yeah. Luca. Luca Modric. Modric. That felt like a lot of money at the time as well, though, didn't it? Well, it was 10 years ago, practically. Yeah. Nine years ago. I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah. And he was worth it. He was really good. Well, and he, he well, imagine he went to Chelsea. Imagine he, he would, had been the heart of Chelsea's midfield for like the last nine years. Because he tried to go, me. didn't he? And, and he we was, wouldn't let him. He got caught on Abramovich's, like, papped on Abramovich's boat. And he got booed when he came back. And yeah. they, I remember that. And then he had a good season, though, didn't he? And all was forgiven. Yeah, he, he scored really an absolute rocket early Liverpool. on the season against Liverpool, didn't he? And it was like, OK, it's fine. We love him again. Wasn't it like... Uh, was it, it a Jermaine Defoe way. free kick that went into a wall or something? Yeah, and he just oh. let his half volley one in. He put it top oh. corner. Yeah, and all was forgiven. Oh, he was, I got his net. My favourite, I got that Champions League kit. The one, the old one with the blue across the shoulders. And I got Modric Investec on the back. on it or something. Was it yeah, so I've, I've got Investec well, Bale one. And then, yeah, which one? Investec was the Champions League one. I've got the normal one with uh, Modric that's my most worn shirt by a long 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 way the next one was actually from this summer right <laughs> that, that, that face and it's this only for tw- this 28 million who did we get rid of this summer Suriname we sold I mean we sold him let me tell you where we sold him 
We sold into a club in Europe. How much? Twenty-eight million. Did we get that much for? Was it Stephen Bergwijn? Yeah, it was Stephen Bergwijn? It's a lot of money, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. Although he's a good player. He's a good I player. We scored. I, I'm sad to have seen him go actually, because I think he's a good impact player for us. But I guess he wanted to play more regularly, and he deserves to. So. Yeah. I do think with Bergwijn, he'll be one in sort of three-ish seasons. His his next move could be back to a, a top side. He mm. just needs that development, doesn't he? Yeah, and he, he loves Ajax, doesn't he? Next one, Jack, one of your mates. We saw him in 0607. Uh, he's Michael 20, Carrick. Michael Carrick, 24.4 million. What a player. Yeah. That, now that felt like a lot of money. That did. He was uh, what a, what a player. What year was that? 06, 07. We weren't great then. So he really was moving on to better But things. I'm a bit scared that that's 15 years ago. Mm, yeah. He was incredible, Carrick. He's, when I think of Carrick for Man United, do you remember when they went away to Roma and did they lose 1 0 and the police battered them, uh, battered their Man United fans and they came back and Man United beat them 7 1. Do you remember yeah. that? Carrick scored, scored two, didn't he? Yeah, he scored yeah. a really just everyone scored. I think Evra scored in that goal. The goal they scored as well was really good as well. But that, that that's a good highlight. Next one, uh 27-year-old. We sold him to Inter a few years ago now. To Inter. Oh god, Christian Eriksen. Christian Eriksen for 24 million. Sad again. Oh, sad. But he looks like he's improving now, him and uh, Fernandez seem to be yeah, I know, but I don't want to see him do well against us or yeah. like be a reason why we don't do well. Oh, yeah, of course. It's a bit annoying we didn't get him now. Uh, number eight, Jack, your mate again. Uh, 08, 09, we sold him to Liverpool for 21 million. Should be easy. Oh, Robbie Keane. Yeah. Robbie Keane. That, that was a heartbreaking sell. I that, don't know why we're doing this. It's hurting me I a little bit. Believe, I couldn't. Genuinely, <laughs> you know, you know some... You know, sometimes you see those big transfers coming, don't you? And, and even when you don't, they happen. You think, oh, it sort of makes sense. But that Robbie Keane to Liverpool one felt like it come out of absolute nowhere. And it was like, he's signed. Like, normally you get wind of it, don't you, a few days before. But mm. it was just like, Robbie Keane signed. And didn't we sign Pavlichenko to replace him? And it was like, yeah. oh, it's a massive drop, wasn't it? But we got him back six months later, so... Pav was such a weirdo, wasn't he? Like there, there were times where he's brilliant. Remember that game against Birmingham where we sent him down the last game of the season? He scored two absolute rockets. Remember that? And he just he had it in his locker. That free great kick, that great free kick he scored in the in the um well in, in the Europa, Europa League. League. Yes. Just, just he yes. basically just took a shot. It was like yeah. straight as an arrow. Decent player. The but, best thing about Roman Pavlichenko, and I'm sorry because I know I always go on it, but I love it so much, and you've got it in my head now. Roman Pavlichenko, better than Shevchenko. Honestly, go on YouTube and find that talk sports show. There were 25 minutes of Spurs fans just ringing up with like random Pavlichenko songs. But to the extent that I stayed in the car to listen to it because it was so good. That is talk sport. That is the sweet spot of talk sport. When yeah. it does stuff like that, that is when it is at its absolute best. I, I mean, Trevor Sinclair, madness. He's been suspended now. I oh don't know if you saw that. <laughs> just, just shut up, oh Trevor. <laughs> like, there's a lot of people who aren't royalists. You know, I'm fully on board with them. Like, just shut up. Just let other I people don't think be. I it sad. was that bad. It, it's just shut up. It's not what he's saying yeah. isn't necessarily wrong. It's yeah, just, it's like just if shut you, your mouth. Just waited a couple of days if you wanted to say it. Yeah, yeah. What what it is as well with stuff like that is always the the what comes across as a really insincere apology tweet that just makes it a million times. Just go, you read it and just go, oh god, what have you? Here. Like you're just making it worse. And then he did another one, didn't he? He tweeted something else today, which I've not seen, but I've just seen, seen a load of stuff in in group chats about him tweeting about mental health awareness, and it's like. Like, you know, it, yeah. Yeah. It's like Sunis' apology after the... Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Number 10. Uh, Centre-back, 24. We sold him in 17-18 to Stoke. Oh, Kevin Vimmer. Oh, yeah. 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 Sonny's so he, oh, he played about eight games for us, didn't he? And we sold him for 15 million. It was like an out, outrageous sell, that was. Is he... It wasn't that bad. 
No, but he, he he never played, did he? And Vertonghen got an injury and he came in for half a dozen games and he was playing next to Toby with what? Dembele and Wanyama in front of him and Danny Rose to the side of him. This like, I reckon I might have been able to slot him for half a dozen games and, and people might not have noticed too much. And then Stoke were like, oh, we'll have him. And he, he didn't even, he wasn't at Stoke long, was he? He barely played there. He had seven, he literally had three seasons on the bench in the Championship where he just didn't play. Um, Oh no, he went. He went on loan. Sorry to Hanover, Muskron, Karlsruhe. Went to Rapid Vienna. He only played two hundred and four times in his whole career, which is he only yeah. I mean, Jack fifteen times for us. That was as unbelievable. Not playing memory. anymore? Then I suppose he's old now, isn't he? Uh, it looks like he's in the lower league somewhere. Is he? Yeah, he's gone to Rapid Vienna. I think he's then now, but he's played five times so far from. Uh, but that's that's our tenth most expensive so- sale. I just want to go down one more. Um, this player was a bit of a surprise when we sold him. So he's a little Algerian fella. Provided the assist for oh of, yeah to Schalke. Bentaleb. Bentaleb, yeah, seventeen million. But I mean, him Townsend is thirteenth on fourteen million. That's thirty-one million for those two who came through our uh, uh, thingy academy. I don't know if I, I, I'm sorry if I've said this before, but I went and watched um, the Spurs youth team play at the time when Tim Sherwood was managing them. So it was Tim Sherwood, Stefan Freund and Les Ferdinand. And it was just one afternoon where I wasn't doing anything and they were playing at Hotspur Way. So I went and um, the per- the player that stood out like head and shoulders above everyone was the Bill Bentaleb. But Harry Kane was playing that day. I remember seeing his mum and his brother and thinking that must be his brother because he looks like him. Didn't think anything of him. I was like, I don't know what all the fuss is about. Um, but, you know, I know, I know that was kind of Kane's story is that, he, you know, it was like it was a slow burner. But, yeah, Bentaleb stood out like literally, I think mm. we were playing Leicester, head and shoulders above every, all other 20 players on that pitch. I was actually at his Premier League debut which was a 3-2 away win at Southampton when it was Sherwood's first game and he named him on the bench and he went classic tactics, Tim. We were 4-4-2 Spurs with Ericsson and Dembele centre midfield and Dembele got injured after 15 minutes and he stuck Bentaleb on and everyone was like in the away end was thinking, who is this? Like No one knew his name on the team sheet and then all of a sudden he's coming on after 15 minutes and we all thought, this is madness because he did have some like, experienced players at the time. Like I think he had Polinio was on the bench, Jake Livermore, I think. So you, you'd think naturally you'd just revert back to the tried and tested, but he stuck him on and he was he was absolutely brilliant. Like one of the best players on the pitch. And all of a sudden we thought, we've got a good young player here. But that was a lot of money to get for a youngster. Do you know what I mean? And he, he yeah. did really well for us when he did play, but sometimes you just have to think that amount of money, you just, you're just going to send. It's the same as, um, do you remember when we got rid of Stephen Corker? He was another one that there was like loads of hype about him, but sometimes when the money's that high, you just think, you just got to sell. I just, he, I used to go to see youth games, but a long time around that era, but maybe even a bit before. And I remember going. Do you remember Kenny McAvoy? The, there's only two Gareth Bales. He looked the spitting image of Gareth Bale. Do you remember him? Yes. Uh, but I just I've just looked him up and it's made me quite sad. Like he he was our youth player and he was he was Casey. He, he reminded everyone of Gareth Bale and he he played. He's retired. At, he's he retired in 2017. Like he he had basically wow. three years, um, and just it just didn't work out for him. I hope, I hope he's all right because he he um he's just got a full time job now. He's just a normal fella. Uh, I feel a bit sad about that now. It was it was great fun. I remember. Oh, that was why he said it because we saw his mum. We were at, um, it was when the fighting cock did one of their away days, and uh, so there was loads of us. We turned up with like three thousand people to an end of season game. At, um, it was the last game at the Underhill before Barnet <laughs> moved to their new ground, and it was Tottenham versus Arsenal. We won one nil, and we were singing. There's only two Gareth Bales, and his mum and his sister were there loving it. <laughs> uh, which is it was just really nice, and there's a different vibe at youth games because it it's just a bit more you're just closer a bit more into it. But anyway, hey, um, that was it. I was just going to talk about first elevens, but I'm not, not going to do that. The uh, any other business? Anything? Anything else? Let's hope we've got a match to talk about next week. Well, we'll, we'll have Sporting Lisbon, Lisbon. Lisbon at least. Yeah, yeah. 
It's true. Which would be good. So we'll. I mean, any predictions for that? I mean, they that should be a win, right? There, there should be no excuses, but a, a the victory Eric Dyer derby. Eric Dyer. I think it's going to be uh, like it, that. Will be a tough game. Like again, if you offered me a draw, I, I might take it to be honest, just it's because those three pod, those <laughs> those away those away Champions League games are tough. They really they really are. I think um, if you go there and don't lose, it's a good result. It'll be interesting to see how Marcus Edwards does as well. It's not. It's nice to see him back and like working out. It working think, out for him. I think it's almost nailed on that he's going to score. Yeah. He's, yeah. I mean, he's twenty three, and it feels like we've been talking about him for ten years. Um, yeah, I hope he does. Though. I hope it's a seven one victory. You know, um, I I'm seeing three nil, three one, then three one. Chris, what are you saying? Uh, I think it's more likely to be like one nil. Yeah, I mean, it is more likely to be one nil. But um, Jack, uh, two two, two two. Okay, okay, uh, okay. Anything else? All Did good. I, it's, all good. I just I love not having the stress of a football game on the weekend. It's it's almost to the point now where it, it just takes away from my weekend. It's just so stressful. Um, but it's nice. And obviously, the highlight of my weekend now is speaking to you too. So uh, and maybe and maybe Giles, whenever he's here, whenever he bothers to turn up. Um, the Undumbele of the pod. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> did we talk about that off air? Because yeah, now I've just, I've just so been called out now. Perhaps you'd like this to explain it, particularly for when Giles is listening. Oh, well, and Giles does listen, and hi, mate, you know how much I love you, but, you know, don't turn up enough. And when you do turn up, it's absolute gold, but... um lost us a fortune as well, didn't they, to get him on? fortune in wages, yeah, and just just dilly-dallies about. But <laughs> makes a good YouTube compilation, so that is, that is good. He has got, as we said earlier, has got the skills. He has got the skills. Um, Can you apply it? Got to turn up to apply it, Giles. <laughs> um, Chris and Jack, always lovely to see us. The highlight of my week every time. And uh, thank you for listening. You can always tweet us at underscore Echoes of Glory. And the email address is Echoes of Glory pod at gmail.com. I need to check that. Uh, Jack's in charge of the Twitter, I think. So I don't actually get to see that until the uh, until the end. But um, thank you. And whatever happens, don't forget the future's bright, the future's lily white. Come on, you dispellers. I always thought there was very, very many people interested in football, and I always thought that football was a very important game, but I never realized until today just how important it is. Whether the Wonder Boys of White Hart Lane are or are not the team of the century can't possibly be more than a matter of opinion. Well, they're the finest team in Great Britain and one of the best in the world. We are about the glory of the game. We are about playing with style. We are Tottenham Hotspur. The curve of the ball, the billow of the net, the beating of the trap and the picking of the lock, the swiftness of thought, the lightness of touch. We are Ginola, Greaves, Klinsman. We are the collective gasp, the intake of breath, the flick, the trick, the 30-yard free kick. We are Hoddle, Mabbott and King. We are the lob, the chip, the dummy and the volley. We are the hat trick, the scissor kick. We are Bill Nick. That is schoolboy's own stuff. We are the outside of the boot, the inside of the net, and those seconds that last forever. Van der Vaart to level it up. Raphael van der Vaart, 2-2! It's quite a game, isn't it always? We are Jennings, Defoe and Perryman. Glory past, glory future. What was, what is, what's next? We are Blanchflower, Ardelis and Bale. We are about winning with a flourish. We are about winning with style. We are about the glory of the game. Daring to try, 
daring to risk, daring to dream, to dare is to do.